Okay. In this episode, we have Sarah Iden, who memorized the language of Italy in a nutshell. She took, she went over there, she took all her classes with Italian students. She devoured the countryside of Italy. She explored Italy. She learned how to make pasta from Italians, which is really cool. And she's got some great stories and recommendations along the way. So listen up, tune in, and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks, guys. The three biggest reasons only 10% of students study abroad. They're afraid of being homesick, they don't think it's safe, and the number one reason people don't study abroad is cost. We're here to dispel all that, find out exactly how that 10% crafted their study abroad journey, and how you can too. I'm Chris Carlton, and this is the Study Abroadcast. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Study Abroadcast. I am here with Sarah Iden, who studied abroad in Bologna, Italy, and she goes to Indiana University. Sarah, thank you very much for being here. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thanks. I'm very excited to be here. Great. Yeah. Well, we're excited to have you. So jumping right into it, why did you choose Italy? I chose Italy for a couple of reasons. Um, It kind of goes back a really long time. Um, When I was in second grade, my grammar school did this thing called International Nights where each of the classrooms had a different country and we had to turn our classroom into that destination. Um, And so when I was in second grade, our country was Italy. Um, and you know, just doing basic research that an eight-year-old could do, I fell in love with the country and decided that when I was in college, this is where I wanted to travel to. Um, and so then when I eventually got to college and um, needed to take a foreign language to complete my degree, um, I decided to switch from Spanish to Italian and then kind of never, never looked back. So. I ended up minoring in Italian, and so Bologna was just the perfect opportunity for me to really immerse myself in the culture and the language and, um, you know, just get to the uh, level of acquisition that I wanted to be at. Right. So you said it's a requirement as part of your major. What is your major? Um, I study arts management. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah, it's a business degree, but through the um, focus of arts organizations. So museums, orchestras, opera companies, kind of um, the music industry, you know, recording industry, all of that. Oh, yeah, that sounds really exciting, actually. That's interesting. Yeah. You're uh, What year are you now? I'm a senior, so I'll be graduating okay. in a couple of months. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Okay. And so you decided to go to Italy. Uh, what you said, did you say which semester you went? No, I went the spring of my junior year, so from okay. January to July. Yeah, so this time you were there last year. Exactly, yeah. I wish we had a time machine, huh? I know, I know, <laughs> I really do. <laughs> and, and so you go for the spring semester. Did you, how how did you go about finding Bologna? Um, like what, how did you, did you have a program? Did you do an exchange? What did you do, you do to study abroad? Sure. So the Italian department um, really kind of pushed the Bologna program um, within the department itself because of the focus on, um, you know, speaking the language. When I was there, I didn't speak English at all whatsoever um, for seven months. I took all of my classes in Italian. I lived with Italian roommates. Um, oh, wow. You know, I spoke Italian with even with my American friends that I went over with. We were always speaking in Italian. 
Um, and so that was kind of, there wasn't really another option for me, um, which kind of sounds, um, I knew that I wanted language to be kind of the focus of my study abroad experience. And right. so that to me was the easy part of that decision, um, just because the Italian department had already set up this program where I would go abroad with other Indiana students in the department as well as other American students from across the country. And all of us kind of had this focus on really wanting to learn the language. And so that's kind of how I um, decided my program. Indiana specifically has over 130 different programs. So even if you didn't know of a program through a department specifically, there's lots of different options um, to kind of help you narrow down where you want to study abroad. Um, and I, I work for the overseas office here on campus. I'm a peer counselor. So my job is to kind of help students who come into the office figure out what um, program is best for their academic needs so that they can still graduate in four years and then also what their goals are in particular for studying abroad. I see. Whether I see. that's you know, finishing a certain minor or, you know, experiencing a certain language or, you know, going to Europe so that they can travel, kind of whatever the right. student is right. interested in. Okay. And so before you left, were you able to apply for or receive any scholarships or grants? Yeah, Indiana actually is really great about giving scholarship money, um, as well as allowing students to keep their scholarships that they have when they're like, um, on campus. So I have a, a scholarship, it's called a Dean Scholarship that I got for my academic achievements while in high school. And so I was able to apply that um, to my tuition in Bologna. And then also the French and Italian department here on campus gave scholarships, so I got one of those as well. Um, and then our Honors College gives up to $3,000 um, to students who have a, anybody can apply regardless of whether or not you're in the Honors College. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a 500 word essay with an 85% acceptance rate. So oh. um, they're like giving money away. They really want students. Man, to yeah, so, I wish so many more people knew about that, right? Yeah, so every time a student comes in to, to talk to one of us at the, at the office, we always tell them, you know, look at, look at the Honors College, they're just giving away money. Um, because we really want students to go abroad regardless of their financial situation and kind of have the accessibility of an abroad experience. Um, right. You know, so, mm -hmm. yeah. And now, you, yeah, you're so well versed in it now, too, it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been, uh, I don't know, six, six months of working there, I think, at this point. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And um, so now tell me about, so you said you mentioned all Italian all the time right? Mm -hmm. tell mm -hmm. me about like the campus tell me about you said your roommates were Italian yes these classes were all in um, Italian too so were they like Italian language classes or were they classes like in different subjects in Italian too because that's pretty advanced yeah, so um, sorry I didn't explain this before, but um, I was directly enrolled in the University of Bologna. So I was taking classes alongside students who were going there to receive a, a degree. Um, so I took two art history classes um, in Italian. So I was taking classes from head curators at museums in Bologna. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also took a music history course through their music school. 
Okay. And so, yeah, I was taking classes with uh, Italian students who had the same major as me, almost like I was taking classes here, um, but in, in Italian. Um, and the really cool thing about the campus at Bologna is it's it's not a campus in, in terms of an American university. Um, the classrooms were inside old palaces or mansions or of that kind of thing that had been converted into lecture halls. So the university was completely integrated into the city. Um, and so I, you know, would walk for one class might be in like the south eastern quarter of the city and then I'd walk to like the northeastern part of the city so it was um, a really great opportunity for me to really explore the city even just by walking between um, classes sure and then in terms of housing um, I lived in kind of a dormitory um, it was like a privately owned um, palazzo which is a converted palace where like in you know back 300, 400 years, really rich families would own these huge houses and it would just be this huge house for one family. Um, but now they've been turned into like little apartment style dorms. Um, and so I had, I was living with 14 um, Italian girls who were all studying at the university. A lot of them studied law and um, public policy. Uh -huh. um, but then there was like a centralized kitchen and living area. Um, so there was really a, a lot of opportunities for me to speak Italian, to learn. I mean, they taught me how to cook. I didn't know how to cook before going over there. Oh, I that's awesome. notorious for burning everything. Um, my roommates always laugh now because before I left, I would burn mac and cheese like in the microwave. Like I was that person. Um, and so they kind of, now I'm the one cooking for all my friends. So complete um, turnarounds. In, in that area. So it was a really, really, really cool um, experience because I look at it not that I was studying abroad, but that I was actually living abroad um, because I was so ingrained in the daily life of people who actually lived there, you know, full time. Right. Um, so wait, so 14, did you, so you were in a house? Yeah. So the way it works is it, it's kind of confusing because there's nothing really like it here in the U.S., um, so it's like if you, it's kind of like a sorority house. Like I feel like that's the only good comparison of what it was like. Um, just that it's this giant building with lots of rooms and a kitchen and a, and a living room. Um, yeah, so I, I, I would guess the, the best comparison would be, it'd be kind of like living in a, in a sorority house or a okay. fraternity house. Yeah. Yeah. And so now, so you were in Italy and... You're there, and we've got a great description of the classes and what it was like to be there, and being so immersed in the language. Uh, did were you able to travel anywhere else outside of Europe or throughout the rest of Italy? Yeah, so I traveled a lot within Italy just because um, I really wanted to focus on using the skills and the language that I had, you know, mm -hmm. learned while I was there. Um, so I traveled quite frequently. It was almost every weekend I was traveling somewhere within Italy. Um, I was also able to visit a friend in Barcelona. And then after my exams, as kind of a treat to myself, I went on a week-long um, tour of northern Italy, and then I went also into Austria to see Vienna and Salzburg. Oh, wow. um, yeah, so. 
Uh, and did anything anything crazy happen during your time during your travels? <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I was I was talking to my friend who I went over because of that question on the list, and I was like, I feel like I don't have a crazy story, and she's like, Sarah, our our story from from Barcelona is ridiculous. Um, so we were in Barcelona visiting a friend um, for just the weekend. And uh, at the same time, unbeknownst to us, um, the there was a protest for Catalan independence happening on the same day that we were leaving. Um, and so the the airport to get back to Bologna is about 45 minutes by bus outside of the city center of Barcelona. And so we had to take a bus from the city to the airport. And, you know, we we get to the bus station, you, you know, an hour and a half beforehand, we're doing fine. And the bus is supposed to come every five minutes. And we're sitting there and it's like 10 minutes goes by, 15 minutes goes by, you know, and no bus has shown up. Like, oh, no. Like, where is the bus? Like, three buses should have come by now. And so I turned to my friend uh, who was studying there and speaks Spanish, and I'm like, Jasmine, please, like, there's an attendant right there. Can you go ask her what is happening? And so she does. And the attendant is like, no, this is not the bus stop. It got moved because of the protest. It's, you know, just two blocks down the road. And we're like, Oh, okay. Like that's that's cool. Like glad we asked. Um, and so it turns out that she gave us wrong directions to get uh. to the new bus stop. And so we're like running through the city. It's like seventy degrees, but the day before it had been forty. So we like are in our coats, carrying our backpack and our suitcase, and running through the city. And because she gave us the wrong directions we were heading in the exact opposite direction of where we were supposed to be for our bus stop and so we ended up walking like right through this protest and it was the largest protest in Spanish history and so we're like why are there so many people like what is happening and everybody you know is dressed up in yellow because that's you know the Catalan color and um you know, so we're like running through the streets with, with our suitcases. We eventually make it and we catch the last bus we could possibly make to get to the airport on time. And as I'm running down the street, I swear to God, I make eye contact with the bus driver. And I think that is the only reason that we made it onto that bus because we were technically a little bit late. Um, but I think he saw these two American girls just like running down the street and he was like, oh, okay, I think I should wait for them. So um, when we got to the airport, we it was just like pure luck that we ended up getting on our plane on time because we got through security in under 10 minutes um, and we just happened to turn the right direction to get to our gate because the, the Barcelona airport is in a circle and our gate was like number 47 or something. So it was either you go around the long way or you go around the short way, but it wasn't really well marked. So we just chose a direction hoping we'd make it there on time. Um, and we got there like right as they were closing the door to get on the plane. So Long story short, we made it back to Bologna all in one piece, but it was definitely a crazy, you know, hour and a half of running through the streets of Barcelona um, during a protest. So it was, yeah. it was quite naked time, right? Yeah, naked time. No, yeah, you got to be prepared. It's not a question of if, but when something like that will happen. So exactly, it's great. And now you got to tell the story that your yeah. friend 
remember that you don't. Yeah, it's funny yeah. how that that stuff kind of hides in plain sight with your memory. Exactly. Like, you were thinking of the story, and that was, like, the obvious one to you, so you didn't think to tell it, and yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, I, I really happy that you mentioned, so you're in, in Italy, and you're learning this cooking, and one of the questions, one of my favorite ones, is I ask everyone about the food. So you're the first person that's been taught to cook by other Italian girls, but so what did they teach you to cook? And then is there like a specific like restaurant or dish or something that you remember that stuck out when you were there? Oh my gosh, that is such a hard question. Um, yeah. Because Italian culture is based in yeah. food. Um, and so I think one of the things that really stuck out to me is going to sound so ter- stereotypical, but how to make pasta. It is, there's a very specific way that you have to make pasta when you're in Italy. You have to boil the water. You don't put the salt in the the pot before the water boils. You have to wait for the water to boil and then you put the salt in. And then you put the pasta in after it's at a boil and you have to get it the exact time. It's like depending on the type of pasta is between like eight and 10 minutes in order for it to be perfectly al dente. And my roommate in particular would not eat anything that was either undercooked or overcooked. It had to be perfect. And so really learning about the patience that it takes just to make a simple meal such as pasta is something that, I mean, I ate every day, um, you know, whether for lunch or for dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just learning the even though the food is super simple, you can get a lot of different flavors coming out of of that one dish. And so my roommate in particular taught me how to make this one um, dish with it was garlic, par, um, basil, and grape tomatoes. Oh, that and sounds really good. That was so good. So you you um, heat olive oil with like whole cloves of garlic in it for like five minutes so that the taste of the garlic kind of like melts into the olive oil. Mm-hmm. But you have to be careful with like how high the flame is because olive oil will burn really, really easily. Um, and so after that, you then cook the grape or the cher- grape or cherry tomatoes, either ones were, um, in this kind of olive oil garlic mixture until they've kind of locked like all the water comes out of the tomatoes and then you put that over pasta. It's so good with a little bit of basil. Um, there's really there's really nothing like like it. Um, and I think in terms of food that I miss, I really miss good olive oil because there it was good olive oil is just cheap because you use it in you use it in everything. You use it for every meal. Um, they don't use any kind of any other cooking fat, so there's no butter or or anything like that. Just olive oil, um, and so having to pay so much money for good olive oil while I'm back in the in the, in the states is kind of hurts my heart a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, I've yeah I've heard that. It's yeah, a, yeah like you you can't go back kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That yeah, so that's really good. I've heard. Did they did they throw the pasta against the wall? Is that a thing? Like I've heard if I you throw it against the wall, it's st- they do. You you no, I didn't see anybody do that. I mean, okay. you can to see if it's cooked, but it was for them. It was all by taste. Uh, that's probably yeah. a better <laughs> better indicator. And so now, so how is your? How would you say your Italian is after all that immersion? Like. Um, I don't know about right now, but um, just because I haven't been using it so much. But when I came back, I actually took an exam um, 
with the the government to see where my level was and I got professionally proficient so I was quite pleased with myself um I can still watch movies without subtitles and listen to music no problem so that at least for me is kind of where I wanted to be when I came back um so even though I don't get to use it on a day-to-day basis and I miss being able to use it on a day-to-day basis um I definitely have been very motivated to kind of at least you know, listen to it in, in some, some aspects, you know, whether it's a mu- music or a podcast or reading a newspaper article, that kind of thing, just so that if I ever get back to Italy, I can just jump right back into where, where I was. When sure. I was yeah. That, no, that's a, yeah, that's a good, yeah, that's a good recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so now since you've returned home, how has your experience affected you? Uh, I'm assuming this is your first time that you lived abroad. How is how did it? How would you say it's kind of inter interweaved with the art major? Like, has it yeah. helped you there at all? And yeah, so and then also, so yeah, go ahead and answer those two questions. Okay. Um, I you know, I'm definitely more comfortable walking through life and just in general now because. You know, when I'm ever, when I'm stressed out about an exam or I have a presentation, it's just so easy to remind myself that, you know, I got through life speaking a foreign language and I, you know, survived that. You know, mm-hmm. I um, was able to travel um, to places where no one spoke any English and I and I was fine. I got through that. I, you know, took all of my exams orally in Italian and I did well. Um, so just in that regards, it's it's been kind of this huge weight off my sh- shoulders in terms of pressure I feel yeah. um, taking classes in English. I did it, yeah. yeah. Um, and then also just, I, I think um, I'm definitely more open-minded and patient with people who might have a different worldview than I do. Um, I, because I was taking classes in a foreign language, I really struggled um, just with, you know, basic comprehension. And there were days that I walked out of the classroom going, I literally have no idea what my professor said in that entire 90 minute session. I have no idea what just happened. Um, And so now I am definitely more patient and understanding with people who, you know, might not get something on on the first try. My, in particular, my sister, she has dyslexia, um, and so it's really hard for me to admit. But I was always, I was, I was sometimes very, I was very short of patience with her sometimes growing up when she would ask me um, questions or needed help on homework, and I definitely am now way more patient and understanding. Um, with her because I now understand that, you know, sometimes it, it just takes um, a couple of, of times of you saying the same thing over and over for it to click. Um, and, and yeah, so definitely because of the, the foreign language component, I think that has definitely changed just in terms of how I kind of interact with people. And then also just being, you know, a foreigner um, has definitely made me realize how I make assumptions about people that may or may not be true when I meet them and kind of 
you know, even though those are automatic reactions based off of like psychology, um, being able to recognize those and, and think, you know, wait, their their life is completely different than mine. And, and that's what's driving them forward in this interaction. How can I make sure that I understand that so that eventually we get to the same place and come to an agreement over, you know, whatever we're discussing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and then with the art? Oh, um, yeah. Um, I... My my focus is music, um, specifically classical music, because I um, was a classically trained violinist for 16 years. Uh-huh. Um, well, there you and, go. Okay. Yeah. So um, a lot of the I'm, I'm hoping I can use my Italian when I'm in the workforce because a lot of conductors are either from Italy or or um, Austria, Germany, that kind of thing. So you know, hopefully, eventually, I'll be able to you know speak with people in in the art world and and have that automatic connection because we speak a similar language and and you know be able to put people. Um, at ease because we don't necessarily have to speak in English if if they don't want to. Um, right. so I'm, I'm hoping that I'll be able to use it in, in the workforce for sure. Great. Yeah. yeah. It, it sounds like you will. Um, and then, so do you, and then you said, uh, so you're a senior, do you have any plans after graduation yet? Do you know what you're going to do? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, it is no. a great question. <laughs> so simple yet so difficult, right? Yeah, um, right now I'm just kind of applying. Um, I'm from Chicago, so a lot of my applications are, are back in the city just because that's where my family is. Um, but I'm also applying to jobs in New York, D.C., um, and just kind of all over. So we'll see. That is that is the million-dollar question right there. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> hopefully this will help you get there. Yeah. Uh, and then, so do you – I guess – so one a, a new part I've been asking – can you tell me about your little time at IU and why you, why you chose to go to school there in case someone from outside of the country is listening? And yeah. yeah. Um, it, 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 it's kind of – my my academic experience is kind of interesting because I applied to IU specifically as a violin performance major and then didn't get ah. accepted into the conservatory. Okay. Um, so then for my first year and a half, I was like, crap, I have no idea what I'm doing. I've been playing violin my entire life, um, never really thought of any other options, and then all of a sudden couldn't do that anymore. Um, and so I was a psychology major for about a year and a half, um, thinking that I would go to med school, um, which is really funny now looking back. Really did not like my science classes, was just right. not in a good place. And a friend of mine who was actually in the arts management program um, was like, hey, you should take, like, just take arts management 101. It's a gen ed. You can, you know, get your arts and humanities credits and, and you know, get an elective out of the way at the same time. Um, but you should take it with this one professor. Um, and I was like, okay, that, that sounds cool. I, I trusted her advice. And, um, but unfortunately the class was at 8am and I was like, oh, Monday, Wednesday. And I was, yeah, Monday, Wednesday. And so I was like, oh, do I really want to have a class Monday morning at 8am? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I'll just do it. Um, and I did, I loved the class. It was my favorite one. Um, and so I was like, okay, this is a sign. If I enjoy a class at 8 a.m. on a Monday morning, <laughs> this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I switched my major um, and I'm now going to graduate with a degree in arts management. So kind of a convoluted pathway there. Um, yeah. so that's why I chose IU um, just because it's, such, it's a school of 40,000 undergraduates. And so there are just so many opportunities for you to kind of study whatever you're interested in. Right, and just find your own way. 
Exactly. Yeah. And, and the school is really supportive about changing your mind and kind of understanding that you will change your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, the, in terms of like the campus itself, it's just a beautiful campus. There, there's so much, there's so much green spaces here and people were just very welcoming that the moment I stepped on campus, I kind of knew that this was going to be the place that I wanted to spend, you know, the next four years of my life. And then I could see myself really growing academically, personally, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been uh, there. Yeah. And so, and then also the Italian department was a huge draw. Um, the Italian department actually is like one of the best in, in the country. They, they release a lot of research and that kind of thing. And so I wanted to learn Italian from the best. And, and I've been really, I've been really, really happy Um with kind of my collegiate experience and that yeah. kind of thing. No, it sounds like it, yeah. I don't know if that um, answered your question whatsoever. But no, no it, it definitely did, but I'm sure one thing that they, they can't teach you how to cook pasta. They don't have no. a class for that, so. <laughs> yeah, I wish I wish they had a food course because the first couple of weeks I was living with my roommates, they were like, what the heck are you doing? Like, I need to, I need to teach you actually how to cook. And I was like, yes, please, because right. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> And okay, so then now uh, rapid fire section of the podcast. Sure. Do you have any? Do you have any book recommendations? Um, the Lonely Planet is awesome ah. for yeah. traveling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and website right, but the books too. The books too. The book in particular goes in a little bit more depth than the website, so I'd recommend. That's a good, even yeah, that's a good, good observation. Any yeah. any media recommendations like uh, podcasts or apps or blogs, websites that you need? Um, well, because I was taking a language, I used Duolingo. That is something that even if you're going on a program um, that's going to be, you know, you're going to be speaking English, but it's in a country where the language is not English, learning even just a little, a couple of phrases will go a long way in just getting people to treat you a little bit better and also to show people there that you're willing to learn from them. You're willing to learn from, you know, their culture and their experiences. Definitely Duolingo. There's also this website called Memrise, um, which is free, and they just kind of have lots of vocabulary lists um, that you can use kind of as like this rapid fire flashcard thing. So if you're also in a language course at school, that's really helpful too, because you can create your own flashcards as well on that website. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's, Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and then Cram is another um, website that it's really great because unlike Quizlet that you have to pay for now, um, Cram is like another one of those flashcard things that you can add images to any of your flashcards. So if you're like studying art history and need to memorize a lot of paintings and stuff, that was awesome. Or if you're in bio, like my best friend and need to memorize, or anatomy, need to memorize all the like bones in your hand or whatever, you can use that as well. Um, But I think, yeah, those are like my four big recommendations that kind of a gotten me through college and b have gotten me through studying abroad yeah i feel like you stumbled upon all these uh these memorization and flashcard apps in the in the pre-med days yeah for that <laughs> anatomy mm-hmm. so okay and well thank you for those yeah i had never heard of uh, memorize or cram before so i will definitely link those up uh, and then finally, what would you tell a student who's on the bubble about studying abroad, thinking about it, not sure if they should go? What would what would your advice be? Uh, that they should do it. Um, yeah. um, 
you'll never have the same experience of being a student abroad and having that freedom and flexibility to not have to worry about anything other than getting up to go to class and just absorbing as much of, you know, what's going around around you as possible. I mean, when you're an adult, you have to worry about getting back to your job. You have to, you know, if you eventually, you know, have kids, you have to worry about your kids. You know, there's just so many things that after you graduate from college, you have to worry about that at this moment in time, there's just so much more freedom uh, to go. So Yeah, it's like so many people are focused on the where, but Mm -hmm. I think more so it's the length and then when, like when in your life you're doing it and for how long Mm -hmm. you're going for, which is a big part of it too. Yeah, I mean, my program ended in the middle of June, but I stayed until the end of July just because there was no reason for me to come home. And, you know, I I was lucky enough to have the financial flexibility to do that. Um, But, like, if I, you know, as soon as I graduate, there's no way I'd be able to just be like, oh, yeah, I'll stay in an extra six weeks. Like, never going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. And uh, so, do you have a quote you want to share with the audience? Yeah, I have to, it's on my phone because I don't want to mess up this guy's name, but um, it's by Bo Taplin, and you can change the pronouns in it, um, but the quote is, she was unstoppable not because she didn't have failure, failures or doubts, but because she continued on despite them. Um, and for me, this kind of has summed up kind of all of my collegiate career, but then also specifically studying abroad um, because... It, like you, I obviously am looking at my experience through rose-tinted glasses and not really remembering the hard parts of you know living there, um, but just having that experience and not being afraid to fail, um, and it is out of failure that you end up growing. So yeah, that that's my favorite quote. I like that expression. I never heard that before. Through rose-tinted glasses, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's an old it's an old saying. My grandma says it all the time. So. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, anything else you want to add? Um, yeah, well, okay, just as like, if I could throw in my peer counselor advice, (laughs) don't get stuck in thinking that you want to go to a specific place, unless you like have, you know, if you have a reason to go to like a very typical place, like I throw out Barcelona a lot, because that's where like a lot of the majority of people at IU study, Mm -hmm. but be open to kind of exploring all of your options. Um, and, you know, maybe trying a city that your friends aren't going to or that, you know, you haven't heard about because sometimes those are the experiences that, you know, cause you to discover something that you love or, you know, have an experience that you never thought you would. Um, so just being open to looking at unusual places in the world because they're all really, really cool. Right. Okay, great. Sarah, thank you very much for doing it. That's, yeah, no that's problem. all I have. That was that was a really thorough, thorough interview. Uh, really good job. Guys, give us an honest review of the show. Let me know how I'm doing. Connect on social media for new interviews. Head to the website for a quiz or the paper that I wrote on my study abroad journey. Sarah, thank you very much for doing this. We'll talk to you again soon, okay? Yeah, thank you. All right. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to check out all the really neat infographics on the rest of the posts as well as the interviews. There's a lot of good information. You should also download Studying Abroad 201. I really recommend it if you need kind of a fire lit under your ass for studying abroad and you need some motivation. It crafts my journey and exactly what I did. Also, we can email you new interviews or you can connect with us on social media. All right, thanks a lot.